Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean, and you are listening to the podcast on Prince. And we've got a special one for you today. I've got a number of special guests, and uh, these would be people from, uh, listen, I don't know if you've heard about this. There's an excellent audio drama, I guess you could call it, of Purple Rain that exists on Clubhouse. There's a group called Club Quake. Uh, and I had a chance to hear this. They, they, they did this live. And the great thing is that it is recorded. So you're going to be able to see the link here in the show notes to go check it out. But I wanted to bring on the people that were responsible for putting this together and ask them some questions about it. And hopefully we can spread the word about this excellent production. Uh, so let's welcome everyone in. First off, we have Addie Durant. Addie, how are you? I'm good, Michael. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you for joining us. And then also we have Mr. Lewis Laporte. If I'm not butchering your last name, sir. No, you're perfect. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. And last but certainly not least, David Belgrave, sir. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. All right. And you guys are a part uh, of the club Housequake. And correct me if I have the associations wrong, but I wanted to start with David. Sir, can you tell us, first tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, let me say, David, a very extensive background in music, uh, art, creative, uh, places, cultural land point places like Def Jam, he was a part of. So there's already a, there's a whole podcast we could do on each one of these individuals. But with that said, David, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your association with Clubhouse Quake? <clears throat> yeah, like you said, I uh, did my tours of duty in the music business, uh, <laughs> first working at a, a Def Jam. Um, and I did a video production there and then moved on over to marketing and uh, I was there for uh, like uh, about eight years. And then I moved over to Columbia Records uh, where I continued to do marketing. And I was there for about another eight, nine years. I uh, worked with some great, 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 great artists. Um, and then ever since then, I had a design uh, web content marketing company for a few years with a partner from college. Um called We Are Pixel 8, and currently I'm working with a company called Tomorrow Media with a couple of other music industry vets, uh, Phil Maillard, who uh, back in the day was directing videos, did De La Buddy and Latifah videos and PRT and and so forth, and then um, Rod Houston, who used to do video commissioning back in the day at Tommy Boy. Um, so we're there producing documentaries. We're in production now on one uh, about the Ma- Mighty Sparrow. I don't know if you're familiar, Calypso artist. Ah, uh, Mighty Sparrow, King of Calypso. He's like Bob Marley, but Calypso. He's okay, like that okay. guy. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, February of last year, we started Club Housequake on the Clubhouse social audio app. And we call it a Prince positivity and learning space. And basically what we would do is um, we would host weekly rooms and each week we would dive into some aspect or occurrence or record or facet of Prince's career. Like mm-hmm. at the, the first rooms we did at the first, very first room we did was a deep dive into the black album and 
Then we did one Prince's his, uh, place in black history. Mm. Um, and then whenever possible, we like to get people there to the room that, you know, had something to do with what we're discussing or has something particular to say about what we're discussing. Like, uh, we did a room on Prince's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we were fortunate enough to get Terry Stewart, uh, the guy who was the president of the Rock Hall at the time, and uh, Lenny Kay, who was a guitarist for the Patti Smith Group, and he's a voting member and was there on the night of the magical guitar solo and all the other Prince performances. Uh, Kirk from the Roots to speak on the guitarmanship, um, you know, to come there and discuss these things, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been blessed to have a bunch of people come by and they've been, I mean, it's funny cause the clubhouse app, like, uh, later on in the year instituted replay. So there are no recordings of these great right. rooms we did, but like you mentioned earlier, fortunately there is one so that when everybody finishes listening to this podcast, they can go on and listen to clubhouse quick presents purple rain. Absolutely. Um, okay. But that's just a little uh, short background on me and the club. Wow. So club club house quick. And 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 I'm sorry, when did you say you started? Uh, February twenty twenty one. Okay. Awesome. And I'm assuming, right, like you must be a Prince fan to start something like this, but uh, Yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Boom. <laughs> right. <laughs> God, I don't have my game show sound effects on tap, but damn, yeah, that's exactly the case. Okay, okay, I love it. We love it, um, Addy. Uh, yes. See, and I told you before we started recording, your voice just tripped me up a little bit because uh, you know I associate it with the narration in that performance, and it sounds like that's your natural <laughs> sort of smooth <laughs> voice. So I'm like, okay, kind of throwing me off a little bit, but. Talk to uh, talk to us a little bit in terms of how you got involved uh, with this production. I go oh, wow. I um I found Clubhouse Quake uh, I believe uh, sometime in March last year, and um, I've you know it was just uh, me just being on the app a lot. Um, I've mentioned this before a couple times. Uh, my partner passed away, and so, um, you know, I had just gotten on club uh, Clubhouse, and so for me, um, it was uh, a tool just to kind of help me cope. You know, just listening to people talk, and you know, it's COVID, and you know, it's just staying in the house a lot and processing and, you know, dealing with a lot of emotions. So Clubhouse for me um, has been a, a way to cope good, bad, indifferent, you know, because Clubhouse is, is a lot going on on that app. <laughs> and um, for whatever reason, I just uh, decided to search Prince and um, Clubhouse quite came up and I went in the room and it was like, the Mecca, you know, it was, it was just, a, a place where I had found, uh, my community that I used to have in real life. And I hadn't in a while. And, you know, it's since Prince left, it's been extremely hard for me to listen to his music or talk about him. And, um, I was welcomed with, wonderfully warm open arms and um 
connecting with uh with the club and you know making a few a few friends um it's been one of the most special experiences um that has ever been given to me and so i'm just so glad that i'm here and i'm honored to be a part of this club and know these people and um you know having to do with this project Okay. And um, also yourself, you are very much have an extensive background in, in all like graphic design and just creative work. And I was, saw some of the things you had done and I was like, oh, you, had, you was a part of that. Can you tell us a little bit of some of the, the things that you are, I guess, more, more most proud of that you've been involved with or created? Uh, yes, I am a designer, um, graphic designer, fashion. Um, I craft. I just, you know, I'm always doing something. And, uh, you know, I'm freelance. I've got photo and film um, styling and assisting experience. So I've just always been part of a creative process um, in some way, shape, or form. I... Um, I guess I would say a couple of the projects I'm most proud of is um, being part of a reality uh, project that Verizon did. I think it was in 2005 where I uh, I lived in a storefront for 21 days and it was basically to sell um, DSL at the time. And the premise was, you know, with a laptop and uh, a backpack, a young entrepreneur can get a business plan together in 21 days. So, wow. yeah. So I lived in a <laughs> storefront where it was actually connected to the internet. And I remember it was such a big deal, you know, cause it was like 24 seven being on, um, on camera. Um, and what, what year so, was this? When was this? It was 2005. It was okay. called the Verizon incubator. I believe. And so, yeah, it was like, I literally was in a storefront with one, two, like it was two glass, you know, windows. It was a storefront. And then just behind one, uh, you know, simple drywall was a, like a small bathroom and a bed. And so, so you're not I shy was, at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that's the thing is I, I am incredibly shy, but if you, you know, if you push me out on a stage for whatever reason, I can step outside myself. It's just one of those things. Um, so there's that. And also I would have to say, um, a project that, uh, a friend of mine came to me with, um, Amir, um, Questlove Thompson, drummer of the roots came to me uh, in 2003 with some ideas for some t-shirts and um because i you know doing t-shirts that's just kind of been my thing growing up and so i had um established myself as kind of like that girl in philly and um he's always been supportive of my stuff and one day he came to me and he was like um i need you to make a t-shirt for me that says you know Michael, Randy, Tito, Jackie, you know, and I was like, mm. huh? And so he was like very specific. He's like, I want I want you to use this typeface. I want, you know, the comma has to be there, you know, only one ampersand. And I was like, okay, you know, so I did it. I did like seven or eight of them. And there were, you know, now what everybody knows is to be what I call the list. Um, yeah, so yeah. those are two of the biggest things I'm pretty proud of. Awesome, man. You know, it's interesting the way you described Clubhouse and how you 
got into it. It so reminds me of like back in the day when like AOL, <clears throat> excuse me, was really starting to pop or I'm going to date myself here, like things like CompuServe or something. And you go onto these platforms and you start to search the things that you're into. And I remember like, well, I searched prints and then you find these groups these chat rooms or whatever. So it's cool to hear even in 2021 or whatever, the clubhouse really start popping that it still have, there's still that effect where it's a place you can go and you can find like-minded people. And then it births a whole thing. Um, Lewis, um, wanted to come to you and tell you on the record, how impressive the sound was during this performance the you know the clips uh the music cues and, and just all of the stuff and you know as i told you before i thought that this was all just pre-recorded i even thought like the acting part was pre-recorded blowing my mind to find out that no it's Appreciate actually it. live and doing a little bit of audio throughout my careers over the years i was like i said very impressed and i was like well man who's doing the sound so when i came across you and I heard about you, you know, one of the first things I want to ask you uh, and get into your background, but what was like the, start us from the top and turn, what was sort of the challenging aspect of getting these audio clips from this movie? Like, because we're talking about musical cues. You, it sounded like you even had some of the background music in parts, like, Mm -hmm. what what was that like for you and i'm asking you this too on one because you just told us i believe before we recorded that you weren't really a super hardcore prince fan so i'm like bring us a little bit into nah, the research yeah. of, i mean i've always had respect for prince you know for his music and what he's created and mm -hmm. you know anytime i saw him it was always like which hot girl was he gonna be with you know <laughs> so that, that was always how it was you know but for this project um so you're asking what was the hardest challenging part of it as far as creating it to me it wasn't really a challenging thing in, in any sense i mean i didn't feel like i was being like put on the spot where i couldn't do something okay um, talk your talk if that makes sense <laughs> i don't know i mean i i linked up with with david through an associate on clubhouse and um once he stepped to me with the idea I mean, it honestly, it was something that I needed um, mm. clear my head based on what, you know, what's been going on in the world in the last, you know, year, year and a half. So I honestly needed it in that sense to really get my juices flowing. Okay. Music has always been, you know, a serious hobby for me. I've been a vinyl collector since the 80s, DJing and, mm. you know, dabbling. I did some audio video editing for a while, worked in broadcast. So... You know, honestly, the last few like year and a half, things have just chilled out and I didn't do much. So this kind of got my juices flowing. OK, and, excuse me. And, and you know, there's uh, I have noticed over the years, there's always been because in you and you bring it up vinyl to spark my thing to say this. There's always been brothers that was the, the technical audio cat of the neighborhood. You know, it was you it was, it was the, the DJ cat. We all got into DJing back in the day. That was because we got to yeah. remember the DJ was the most respected in hip hop for a while. Like that was you was the man. You know, the rappers and everybody would come to you, and you had the system. That person either had the system or they knew how to make beats mm -hmm. and this and that and the third. Mm -hmm. 
And it was always that thing, though. There was the brother who was always on top of the audio, the next gear. He knew about the new drum machine yeah. or what turntables and the mixer, what mixer to put it all together. And sometimes I feel like we don't really spotlight that much. We always spotlight the guy who sort of ascends to be the super producer. But I think they all sort of come from that same chain of the black man that and, and women, too. I'm just saying. But that was the technical dude that just knew how to put it all together and probably never went to school for it. Right. Yeah. No, it was always that way as a kid, like 15, 16, you know, you'd go out DJing and I'm not going to say I had top of the line gear because back then it was like scrounging up money to come up with, <laughs> you know, pieces of equipment. You know, I when I first started, I had a boom box in my room DJing on that, mm-hmm. hooked up my turntables to that. So I've always took the initiative to be the one, like if you're DJing a party and something happens you know, people are standing around looking. I always was the one just like, let me try to fix it, you know, and it, and it's worked out. You know, I've always been the technical nerd, I guess you want to call it. Right. And, and, and even, and even till today, it's whatever new app comes up or yeah. whatever thing, like, how is it, how have you seen it change um, in terms of, you know, doing, doing audio and I, you know, like, like you're, a prof- you're a professional at this as well. Like, what, what's been the change to you when you saw something like a, a clubhouse? Is that just another in a long line of things you've come across or do you see anything special about this? I think clubhouse is, is a, an amazing app as far as what's being done, you know, connecting people throughout the world, being able to communicate. You know, I've been on rooms where people are in India talking, playing their music and it's like, wow, you know, you're, and everyone is the same when you come down to it. You know, people look at people differently based on where they're from and what they do. But it's like, when you sit there and listen to a lot of these people on clubhouse, everyone's pretty much the same. Take away the accent and the location. And it's like, you think you're talking to somebody, you know, you know, friends. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And yeah. And what I want to do right here, I wanted to play a little clip from, the production to give people an idea of what I heard and what made me stand up and be like, okay, this is serious. So bear with me one second. I'm going to play a little clip. Apollonia sits demurely at a table. Morris's eyes are wide and shining. Jerome says, Apollonia, I would like you to meet Morris E. Day. Oh, man. Morris signals Jerome and whispers in his ear, loud enough for Apollonia to hear. Too sexy. Have the waitress bring a bottle of their best champagne. He seats himself, and with a sexy half-lidded look, he says, (laughs) Your lips will make a lollipop too happy. You think so, huh? Yes. Kim, the waitress, appears with a bottle of champagne on ice and deliberately clunks the bucket on the table. She knows Morris. Who's paying for this, Morris? I think you know that. Jerome. Jerome appears, opens the bottle with a flare, and performs a classy taste test. Morris pulls out some cash to pay Kim, who snatches the money and leaves. Uh, keep the change. He whispers to Jerome. Get my change, would you? Of course, Morris, anything. The kid sees Apollonia and Morris together. 
He smirks and gets ready to perform. Would you require anything else besides my company to make you happy? Oh, Lord. Either somebody put something in my drink or you the finest motherfucker I've seen in ages. <laughs> Excuse me, what did you say? You look nice tonight. All right, man. <laughs> One of my favorite parts from the movie, and I certain parts. And I'm sorry. What was the name of the gentleman playing Morris? Ed Silence. Ed Silence. I literally have to put my hand over my mouth every time. <laughs> Me too. I crack it up. <laughs> There's so parts sexy. where he sounds just like Morris. Like it's just uncanny. It's hilarious. Uh, there's a lot going on in that part right there. One, Addy, excellent yeah. narration. Uh, I wanted to ask you, did you write, I guess, your, is it the, your script or the narration? And if you did, how did you come up with that? Um, David and I found the manuscript written by Albert Magnoli. And um, we <laughs> painstakingly went through it. Uh, I mean, I really wish I had documented uh, this process. I, I'm just, I'm so mad at myself that I didn't do it. But we were just so deep in it and behind the eight ball for so much of this project that I, I just didn't have the energy to. But we... I, I don't even know how many hours it took us to do this, but we literally went through and pulled and edited and changed and filled in. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of happened. Wow. Line by line. I remember we had one like seven hour session. Whoa. And then oh, yeah, another several hour session. I mean, really like to what Addie's saying, right? We took the original script that we found online and basically converted what were scene descriptions in the movie script into the basis for narration for our all audio production, because right, we've got to see what is, we've got mm -hmm. to say what is seen in the movie. Mm -hmm. So when they're just giving you background information in the script, we had to just to turn that into what Addie's actually saying, how she's describing the scene. And then, you know, sometimes you could just take some of those verbatim, but oftentimes you got to actually do some editing to the actual word just to make it be grammatically correct or make sense mm -hmm. or whatever. And some of them you didn't use. And then something that we might have needed to be in there as narration was not in the original script. And then some, so for those lines, you would have to actually write mm -hmm. what the narration is going to be to make sure that somebody who's sitting back I mean, right? Because the whole idea is you should be able to just sit back, close your eyes, and see the whole movie if you right. listen to our production. So, yeah, we had to do that from <laughs> opening curtain to closing curtain of that whole. I, I am trying not to curse. I don't even know what the protocol oh, is. Oh, no, you yeah, just, <laughs> We grown. <laughs> we grown, folks here. For the whole uh, flipping <laughs> script. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And seven, eight hours. Say. That was like, that's that's actually like a modest estimate. You know, if they were seven, eight hours at a clip, there were at least three or four of those. Wow. So, yeah, that's that's one of the things that jumps out because you you're right, David, when you're watching the movie or any movie, 
the sort of narration stuff is visually shown to you. So you don't ever have to think about what's going on. But when you convert it over to whether it was a novel or, or, or this, there's another element that, you know, omniscient presence that's going to have to describe the events that's going on. And I think you guys nailed it. It was really, I, I, it, it made it seem a whole different way as a person who's watched this movie for many years. I was like, wow, that's, that's dope. Like they're actually describing what's going on. And so, yeah, yeah that, was, that was awesome. And, and go ahead. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. And Lewis, I heard you about to speak. So I'll throw it to you. Um, that, that's Michael, exactly what you said is part of what made it so magical because everybody knows this, you know, the art mm. cast and crew, amazing, amazing people. They know this movie backwards and forwards. So you know, when Ed leans in on the table and he knocks the silverware and the glasses, like <laughs> he just did that, you know, like Tracy Humphreys with the bucket, you know, like she's in her house. I don't even know. She, I think she has like a plastic children's like beach pail or something. Like, yeah, I didn't know I if that was some know. Fisher Price bucket that she had. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but she did I it. And some the ice timing, cubes in there. Right. And the timing was spot on. So like it really just mattered. When I say magically came together, I'm not just using those words lightly. Like this magically came together. And Lewis, I heard you about to say something. I'm sorry. No, no. I was just going to say that Addy and David did a phenomenal job on, on the translation. Um, you know, when I met him, it was later on in the project and I sat in for a few of the original, not original, early or later rehearsals. And after listening, it just, I had a complete vision of how, you know, to cut it up and do what I was going to do. It just made it so much easier for me. And, and I like, you know, I like the magic aspect, but also I think it's important to know that it takes work, uh, dedication, uh, vision. And if you could talk to, I don't know if it's David, whoever, like, what was it like gathering the cast together and getting that, okay, it was rehearsal time and like pushing and getting, because the end result, it just sounds, like I said, it sounded like it was pre-recorded almost to me, not knowing anything about it. But to have everything work into sync like that, what did it take to gather, get that going, man? You know, um, at the undertaking of this, you, you knew it was going to be work, you know, and you knew it was going to be a significant amount of work. But what I always like to say is, you know, I think at least you can ask Addy and, and then Lewis. But for me, I think it's fortunate that all the work didn't present itself and make itself visible at the outset. Because, you know, basically, you know, because we operated because I've never produced a play or anything like that. So, like, we sort of operated on common sense and logic, like, OK, we're going to do this. OK, well, let's find a script online. OK, great. All right. Well, we got to get people to do this. So, OK, um, we'll hold some rooms. And that's what we did in early October, the month of October, um, instead of having our regularly scheduled rooms we would advertise that we're doing an open call, you know, a casting room. And so um, Addie and I, we went through the script and we picked out scenes that we would use for the audition, a scene with Apollonia and the kid, a scene with Morris and Jerome and the revolution or whatever, you know, and, and so that, you know, people would come up and we'd hold the room, people would come in and they would say who they want to audition for. And we would have them read the scene just one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. And we would record the casting sessions 
um, so that we could review those later. Actually, I can't even say we. Addie's the one that really seriously listened to the room all over again mm. and made the notes on all the individuals who auditioned and said, okay, I think we got a Jill. Okay, I think we got a Wendy. I think we got a Lisa. Okay, but whatever the case was. And so we ended up having, I think, five rooms. And those were like a couple hours or three hours a piece of just having people read, having people read. And um, we had like tons of females that would audition, but we were coming up short or just scarce on the male voices. And, you know, we kind of got lucky because, you know, Reggie, who plays Jerome, was like, pow. And then, like you said, um, Ed, who played Morris, and you know, every every rehearsal we'd have to go on mute when he started doing his thing because the <laughs> shit was just hilarious, and then the two of them together was hilarious. You know, I was like, oh, we gonna kill them. We about to kill these folks. You know, um, and so you know, boom, we get through the casting. You know, and so we we pick our final cast, and then we started the whole audition uh, rehearsal process. And again, I guess that was common sense. I don't know, Addy, what did we just start doing read-throughs? Just that that's really what it was? Because the sound wasn't even a thing, you know? No. We had no sound yet, and we were not playing. Like, so we were just working on the lines with the yes, cast. Yes, we were just, you know, working on painting a picture without the sound as best that we could, you know, just translate it. You know, for me, I'm a visual, I'm a visual artist. So it's literally just about the sound, you know? And so I knew when I heard who I heard (laughs) when I heard it. And, um, Michael, you talk about time and dedication, you know, for me personally, again, I'm working through grief. I'm working through depression. I'm working through, you know, unemployment, uh, you know, COVID, mm-hmm. all these things. So it literally was like a full-time job for me. And after losing my partner, um, his presence was so inspirational to me that for a minute I thought that like, I didn't want to create that I couldn't create. And I had never felt that way before. And that mm. it scared the shit out of me. So this really was like the only thing I could concentrate on. The only thing I could focus on the thing that got me up out of bed and made me feel like I was accomplishing something Mm. and it had to do with Prince and my love for that man and, you know, honoring him and respecting him and just how Prince and my partner and even my mother, you know, they've all passed away and how all of their Mm. presence has been intertwined in this process. So I was all in and being, you know, a freelance creative, I'm used to figuring it out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm used to showing up on set and being given, you know, $30 and saying, okay, I need you to find three Mongolian rabbits. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So like that just kind of translated into casting people and, you know, emailing people and scheduling people. And, you know, all of my experience being on photo and film sets from what I've learned from my friend, Steve, who's a photographer and I worked with um, since college it all just like really came into play and it was amazingly like taxing and stressful 
but we figured it out. You know, I just, I just, I knew we could do this. And I felt if we weren't going to do it, someone was going to, I don't know why. And I just felt we were the ones meant for this. We had to do it and we did it. I I tell you, you, you hear, and when you listen to it, you can hear all of the work and the planning, you know, it presents itself there and you guys did an excellent job. You know, a couple things I want to say. One, it's, it's such a testament to me to Prince and sort of the things that he inspires, right? Just from him being himself and what he was doing all these years mm-hmm. and the level of excellence that he <laughs> is known for. You know, if you are into him or you're doing something re- related to him, that level of Man, excellence, you can't, you know, it's undeniable. Like, you know, you have to step Speak up, on it. <laughs> step up to the table. Uh, and that's such a great thing about Prince, aside from the music, all of that. But I think one of the things I, some of us take away from him is that spirit of excellence that, no, I'm not half assing this. No. I don't care how many people showing up. I'm showing yep. the fuck out. You know Gotta what I mean? Right. Like, that's what it's going to be. And yes. so I love so, that. right. And, and it's listen, funny you say that. Oh, go ahead, Addy. No, no. I, well, it, you know, <laughs> David and I, we were we were the bad guys sometimes. About, you know, <laughs> Somebody got to be Joe Jackson. Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> it's so funny you that's, said that. That's what it's got to be. <laughs> I mean, these are people with regular lives. You know what I'm saying? People that are working, people with families, pets, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing. And they're doing this for the love. Nobody's getting paid for this. And we're fitting in in those gaps in their lives. And so they don't want to hear Let's take it from the top again. They don't, you know, it's like, it's kind of like they, they didn't, we saw how great things were, but in a way they kind of didn't. And that kind of actually helped. So it was like, okay, we know these people are tired of us. We're having two and three rehearsals a week, you know, but yeah, imagine what it was like to be in Prince's band, you know, and perform and then have to watch your performance and take those notes and go back, you know, maybe five, six hours later and rehearse before you perform again. So absolutely, that, all that expertise definitely trickled down into the three of us. That, that you know, what really all that is, in my opinion, that is the, just, you know, from it, it could either be somebody older generation in your family or there was always that person who didn't take no shit. And like, no, we're going to do it right. God damn it. And y'all not going to be over here making me look crazy. It's, that's that thing that we've had. We know that we don't get the opportunity to be out here messing up. Like, oh, you got a right. chance to do something. No, we're going to do it. And right. that's a part of Prince. And you see it in other artists of that level. But that's where that comes from to me. That's just the thing that we as people have always done. Now, it may have sometime gotten watered down or lost because you know, when you mention you mention a Joe Jackson or you mention a Prince, I think there's a side of Prince that we ain't really seen. Some of us have heard about that. He ain't playing like, you know, you're going to come. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's that. And I don't know if that, that part hasn't really, really been shown yet. Yo, no, we laughing because in the rehearsals, <laughs> like that was a joke with the cast and company that, that I'd be yeah. like, yo, don't let me have to go all Joe Jackson because, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. we got to get this. And, yeah. you know, the way the thing came about, like, because, you know, the the very first production on Clubhouse, which was actually a year to the date of the original date, we were originally going to do it on December 26th. 
96. And that was the year anniversary of them doing the Lion King, another group of folks doing the Lion King on Clubhouse, which was, which was huge on the app as well. Um, so when this idea came floating around, like we should do a table read of Purple Rain, we should do a table read of Purple Rain. Okay. Cut to, we're actually doing it. And, you know, I think the vision for it, you know, but first with, you know, me and Addy, and then when we brought Lewis into it and shared it with him and, you know, he told us all that he could do. And like he said, you know, there wasn't anything like, we're like, well, could you do a so-and-so? And he's like, yeah. And so, you know, once he was saying we could do this, we could do that, you know, I would keep telling Taz, it's not a table read, it's a performance because we're doing this, you know, Mm -hmm. because when you first come up with the idea of doing Purple Rain or a table read, oh, we're just going to read it like every time we give you a song, you say you can, no, you got to be like every time we give you a song, you say you're going to use it, you know what I mean? And then it came down to the music, you know, and, and, you know, the various issues like, well, are we going to play the music and are we not going to play the music and it's copyrighted music and da 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 da, but it's like, well, you know, I know if I was listening to this and we didn't have the music, mm-hmm. that's whack, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's going to be the music. So now we get the music in. Okay, well, what about when they're, when Prince and Apollonia are riding a motorcycle? Are we going to have the full-on sound effects? And, and like, well, well, yeah, you know, and this is what I mean about the work revealing itself and the layers coming on and we mm-hmm. just tackle it as we go that, yeah, we're going to have that. We're going to have that. I mean, when you said at the top of the show, you heard most, you heard all the sounds that were in that movie. Like you, mm-hmm. like Lewis killed it. You heard uh, from Prince walking up the steps of his house to <laughs> smashing up the basement to the crowd in First Avenue cheering to the motorcycle roaring to the sirens after Francis L shoots himself. You know, like you heard every sound, like literally every sound. You know, and that was you know, the whole thing. One sound that I don't know if there. I don't know if there was a sound in the movie, but now you make me want to ask you. So there's the part where Prince storms into the house. Uh, his dad had, I guess, beaten his mom's. Answer me, mother. But he does a spin. Was there a whoosh? Was there a whoosh? <laughs> I don't know how method the Gerald was getting when doing that. Addy, do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Uh, I can guess the Gerald was definitely standing up. I don't know if he did the pirouette or not, but you know that was something that came up during the process. You know? Maybe in a special like, edition, you had to whoosh. Well, you know, we can we we talked about you know should I narrate that? Like, should I say that? Right. You know what I mean? Because that that's that's a description. You know, like he he wisps through the house. You know, like he opens doors, he turns around. You know, he spins around on his heels. Like I could, I literally could have said that. I could have said that, David. <laughs> but, yeah, that's right. That's right. You could have. Um, but, you know, oh, go ahead. No, I wanted to ask, uh, make sure one, I want to say uh, shout out to Tammy, who actually had the idea of us linking up and talking yes. on here. So salute to her. And also, I wanted to ask you about Ruth. Uh, uh, and yes. sh- salute to Ruth. Um, what now? Did she was she the one that sort of sparked the idea? For that was all like her this? idea, oh, wasn't it? it? OK. I believe during the summer, one of our rooms, I forgot what convo we were having in the room, but, you know, I believe, yeah, that she was like, oh, we should do a table read of Purple Rain. And right, Addie, her original idea was just to play it up for comedy, like (laughs) amateurs doing it and just lampooning the scenes. The drunk version, like she said. Right, 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 right. (laughs) 
<laughs> right, right. That would have like, been something uh, else. Well, I don't know how that would have. Well, yeah, that'd been interesting. like uh, you might have heard boy at certain parts, <laughs> <laughs> uh, namely the Minnetonka scene, you know, like things like that. Like Ruth has such an amazingly colorful sense of humor. And I still think that her version needs to be done for sure. And I'm sure it will at some point uh, because she's a brilliant lady. Um, but again, with the casting, you know, and that we had that frame of mind stepping into it because we said, listen, this is open to interpretation. You know, if you want to be funny with it, be funny with it. If you want to just step outside of the usual lines to color within, do that. And Tammy actually is the one who did that. She came in to read for father and she had a megaphone. yeah she read those lines and it was like whoa it just gave such a different dimension to it that she you know she read and she came in just wanting to read with people because you know we hadn't found a father we hadn't found any of them the male roles she was an mvp during the whole process she might have read damn near every role at some point or another you know, because like Addie's saying, these are real people with real lives, work, kids, whatever. And mm-hmm. so, oh, okay, Wendy's not here. The woman playing Wendy's not here. Okay, you know, Francis L isn't here. And, you know, and, there, you know, mm-hmm. Tammy would just step in and put on the mask and do it. Right. Wow. But she was so, she was so creative with it that, you know, by the time we had gone through all of the auditions, and casted, it just kind of settled into a traditional thing. You know what I mean? Because people, like, after a minute, it's like, okay, we can't really fuck with this. You know what I mean? Like, we can't, it, it just, and the talent that showed up, it was just, it was really more traditional. And so it was a really tough decision not to have her be father but Hmm. you know she was an incredible puppet she really really was and she was such a trooper and such a gem on our cast and crew um that it just you know goes back to ruth's initial feeling of of it being creative and just kind of you know on acid purple rain on acid the acid rain maybe you know but (laughs) um it just kind of settled into um a traditional thing but it was definitely ruth's um ruth's idea i mean originally we said that anybody could read for any role man could read for i didn't know what none did but a man could read for a woman's role a woman could read for one of the male characters but then like addy's saying as we were going along and we're doing this in an all audio medium, you know, so it's like, look, we're just going to have men play men and women play women and and, and that'll be it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's that's basically what we did. And and, you know, as far as the humor goes, I know one of my feelings is like, well, I don't, even if we were to do that lampooning of it or whatever, I don't want people to think like we're making fun of them, you know, right. laughing yeah. at the movie instead mm-hmm. of laughing with that, you know, so then it just settled into, no, we're just going to do a recreation of the production with straight up acting. And again, to what Addie's point was and what you were mentioning about the rehearsals is like, you know, there's, there was like two people with acting experience that were in the cast. Yes. But other than that, I mean, other than that, it was, um, 
it was all amateurs. I mean, you know, you got, you know, HR people that are playing roles. You know, one of the members of the cast is a Secret Service agent. Another guy is what? a cop. Like, you know, like... Wow. This is, and even, Ed, the, the man yeah. who played Mars. He's, yeah, he's yeah, a policeman. Yeah, yeah. He was in his, his yeah. car. Mars right? is a cop from Mississippi. Mississippi. Hold on, I got a call in. You that, live, that's you true. One of the first rehearsals, he was actually um, doing his lines. He's like, "Hold on, I'll be right back. I got to go check on some dead bodies." And we're like, "Wow!" And I'm like, "What?" And then everyone explained what was going on. It was like, "Jeez!" Right? You hear like a two twenty two responder, two twenty two responder. Hey, y'all, let me uh, let me get back with y'all. And these masses wiggling. Hold on for a minute. You know, so when we were rehearsing them and having to get these lines right, it's like, okay, we done did this scene six times, but I didn't hear it yet. And, you know, my whole thing is like, and our whole thing was, you know, look, we're not going to be getting up there on show night and the shit sounds like we got to do it again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, we we just got to do it again. I I feel you, but we got to do it again. (laughs) Man, I love it. I love it. And uh, I love the respect that you guys have for the material for Prince. Uh, just amazing. I, I wanted to shift just a little bit and, and talk about Purple Rain. Um, obviously, everybody involved in this has a love on some level for this material, for this artist, particularly this movie itself. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys a question. You just produced your version of Purple Rain. But take me back to purple rain the movie when it comes out back in the 80s 84 to be exact purple rain came out with july 27th of 1984 um and also i wanted to frame this to say there were other movies uh, there are many movies that came out during this time but a couple of them that i remember and are very strong to me and i think culturally to a lot of people that i almost forget came out around the same time and a couple of ones i wanted to mention were movies like breaking you know which is a, is a spotlighted break dancing mm-hmm. set in la hip-hop movie this came out in may may of 84 and then soon after that another movie that uh, i saw opening night beach street another <laughs> hip-hop movie <clears throat> set in new york this time the birthplace um I would just say this. I feel like I, in my mind, I felt like I saw Purple Rain first, but obviously the dates show me that I didn't because B Street came out in June, June 8th to be specific. But I remember it coming out, B Street, and it was such a big deal for me and my partners. You know, we went to the theater, mob to the theater in a little group. (laughs) I I call it a group now. It might have been called something else back then. But we went there as a group, went to the first showing, sat down, and stayed in that theater for the next three showings and did not move out of our seats. Now, I could tell you sort of the mindset of what our group was about to not leave out of a paid and <laughs> just sit there and watch them. But we were enamored with that movie. Like, I remember when you could do that. Right. Good old days. And we, I just remember LL Cool J coming in and just all of that stuff. I'm not LL Cool J. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Crush Group. Uh, B Street. But we're sitting there watching it. And then I remember, though, purple rain and i remember where i wasn't really into prince at that time i knew who he was my cousin from houston 
was a massive Prince fan, right? And she moved to Seattle. And so I remember she kept talking about this Purple Rain. The album was already out. And it was a, it was a wrestle between her wanting to play Purple Rain on the, on the boom box at the park versus me wanting to play Run DMC, right? Going to see that movie the day it comes out was like, it was like Star Wars or something or an Avengers movie. It was like my, my whole school was amped to go see Purple Rain the day it came out. And, you know, the rumor was, oh, this was like an X-rated or, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but blown away by what I saw on the screen and instantly becoming a super Prince hit. And it changed everything everything but i but listen but looking back at it, i remember i was so much here's what i and i'll say i'm gonna stop talking i was really so much into i was a michael jackson dude who was also into rap and hip-hop and then prince just came into my awareness and shattered all of that stuff and my entire focus sort of shifts <clears throat> but i wanted to ask you guys what were your thoughts and recollections of Purple Rain and its effect and how even back then you started to kind of see, in my opinion, there was the changing of the guard of there was print stuff, but then there was hip hop was, you know, coming from being sort of a very uh, niched thing to just like sweeping everything. So I'm running my mouth. I want to go to David first. And I'm asking you, David, because you have in the background being at places like Def Jam and working around some of these cats. I'm just curious what your thoughts and recollections were on, on Purple Rain when it first came out. Um, well, you know, I think um, it was good that, you know, um, I guess I'm like uh, of age where I experienced that live as uh, I was 16, I think, when Purple Rain came out. And, you know, there's certainly other members of the cast who are Prince nuts, you know, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of them might have been younger and maybe experienced it after the fact, or maybe they were mad young when it came out. Um, so, you know, to your point, I remember what that was, right? Because you know, when Prince first came out, like, okay, I want to be a lover and soft and wet and, you know, I like those songs. Controversy. I like, like, I wasn't full on purple board until 1999. Then I was all in mm. and I was all about that album. So I was primed by the time Purple Rain came out. And so I think the thing of just having experienced it live in real time is, you know, what that was, you know, like to your point when it dropped. And like you said, the 80s, the soundtrack movies, you know, like Flashdance afterwards or mm -hmm. Footloose just earlier in the year before mm -hmm. in 84, before Purple Rain came out. Um, with the, the accompanying videos being big on MTV and, you know, so you knew what that was to the culture. It's like trying to explain to like somebody younger, like about thriller being big. Yeah. You can, you know, it sold 38 million records and it had X amount of number ones or whatever, but you know, you had to like be there to just even see how it permeated, you know, mm -hmm. same thing with Purple Rain, how you would hear it out of a car, how you would hear it in, in, in like, a, um, you know, a club or, you know, shit, even a department store, you could hear like when something gets big and people outside the audience, like adults are like mm -hmm. banging mm -hmm. this Purple Rain thing. And to, 
to even know, just to have that feeling of, oh, I just happened to click past MTV. There's Prince again. There's Michael again. Like how big it was. And especially with Prince's case, now all the other stuff is bubbling up around him. Chaka, do what I feel for you. And Apollonia Mm -hmm. 6. And the time. And just to realize how massive it was. So I think that added into the whole, like, we got to do this right. You know, because, you know, motherfuckers got to get what this was and still is, you know, and make it sound as special as it was when it originally imprinted on me or on Addy, you know, or, you know, and Lewis with his respect for Prince, you know, so that, that I think contributed to taking the material seriously and wanting to do our best to make it come off the way it came off for us. Cause I saw that and I was just like, cause I didn't really know. I saw the commercials. I didn't know anything about the storyline. And frankly, right. Like we'd only seen Prince. That was the most I heard the man talk, right? Because right. <laughs> you just saw <laughs> like, you just saw the videos and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I got a light in my pocket. Mommy like, Oh my God, <laughs> this guy's so funky and whatever. <laughs> um, but you know, in the movie, like that's like, you know, the revolution, these people talking and then, Oh my God, did more do these two more. Mm -hmm. holy shit you know so um like the whole movie was a revelation even you know if some of it was like fictional or whatever still like um it just drew like a whole full picture of the scene like i told um I told a friend man i was like the only thing i ever thought about minneapolis (laughs) prior to that point was like Fran Tarkenton and the vikings and mary (laughs) tyler moore that's all i I like minneapolis you know so you know, that, that, that just put it on the map. And when you saw the performances and, you know, every scene where Prince is talking, I'm like, Oh my God, is that him? Is that real? Is that really his mother and father really do that? You know? So (laughs) the the, the beauty of seeing Apollonia on the screen. Oh, she's on my original crush list. Yeah, It was crazy. Oh my goodness. I bumped up. I bumped up the stage in puberty at the living Minnetonka scene. Come on, man. I told you I was 16. I was like, what? Yeah, it was on. I had never seen anything like, I mean, and then the fact that they would actually have her go topless at my age. Yes, Lord. That was, uh, I had never seen nothing, nothing. I don't know. It was like I had never seen. And then the sex scene, I was like, are this is allowed to show this? I remember my mom was in the theater when we saw it. And I looked back at her. I don't know. She was like, what in the fuck? <laughs> but I was like, whoa. Like, it just opened a whole other door. Like, I want to do that. Like, maybe I, don't, maybe I didn't need to be doing that. But <laughs> well, when the movie actually came out, I was at a summer school program at Wellesley College up in the Boston area and we had movie nights, but they wouldn't let us to go see Purple Rain because of the rating. Mm -hmm. So, and it was a two week program. So it was during that two week span when the movie opened and man, I couldn't get back to New York soon enough. (laughs) And I went with two friends from Exploration. That was the name of the program. And we went to go see it right on third Avenue across the street from Bloomingdale's or something. And, um, I was like, Whoa, Whoa. All that stuff you're describing, like, whoa, between that and the music and then this yeah. storyline, I'm like, oh, I'm all in. Yeah, it was incredible. L- Lewis, what do what, you have any recollections uh, of Purple Rain back in the I'm, I'm going to be honest. Um, I didn't really see Purple Rain until later on. I, in, I think around 84, I was more into like Indiana Jones and <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Breaking, B Street and things like that. Um, but I didn't, to me, it was more, I think, an older you know, people 18, 19, because I was like 15 at that time. Okay. 
because of, I guess, uh, the, you know, the rating that it was, you know, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I was, I wasn't really interested in it. I don't think at that time. When did you see it? Might've been 88, 89. Really? Around that time. What'd you think about it seeing it at that point? And that's a different Prince at 88 uh, than he was. Yeah. Love sexy Prince. Um, Yeah. No, I mean, it was a good movie. I was, uh, I, I, I can't really speak on that. I, I, I don't know. Keep it honest. No, sorry. No, no. Okay. You could edit this all out. No, no man, this is, this is the real stuff. So, um, Addie. Yes. Talk to us about your Purple Rain. Oh, boy, man. I was, uh, what, 13? And, um, uh, you know, I grew up in Allentown. We were the only black family in our part of town, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Crystal had a term that uh, she would say whenever she'd come home from like, you know, a punk rock show or a heavy metal show or a rock concert. And she'd, she'd come home and she'd say, I saw a unicorn tonight. And so I knew what that meant. You know, it meant one of the few, if the only other black kid, you know, (laughs) there. Uh, And so for me, it was seeing like a real live unicorn, you know, because at the time I was, I was into hip hop, Um, you know, Wild Style, Style Wars, Beach Street, you know, all that stuff. I went out and I, you know, I begged my mom for an airbrush so I could, you know, (laughs) you know, I learned how to tag, like I practiced, like, you know, like I was doing all that stuff. You know, pieces and and tagging up Allentown. I was tagging up Allentown, man, and tagging up t shirts for kids in, you know, junior high school. And I was, you know, listening to Power 99. I was writing down the lyrics to, you know, friends, you know, (laughs) like teaching, you know, like Houdini, like LL, like I was in, I was, I was like all in and also into Michael Jackson, you know, my, my entire bedroom was covered with Michael trading cards, magazines, posters, like the whole thing. And, um, I just remember my sister uh, coming, you know, like asking me to come into her room, which was very rare. My sister, Crystal, she's older, five years older, and she put these headphones on me and she's like, listen to this. And it was God. Mm. And I was like, what is this? And so the next thing I knew, I was in North Philly with my cousins and they were talking about, let's go downtown and, you know, let's see Purple Rain, let's see Prince. And I was like, oh, that guy that used to be on like, you know, American Bandstand, like I, you know, I'd seen him. Um, but again, I was, you know, I was a little younger. And so just to see him up on that screen, a young, beautiful black man, you know, the way he dressed, the way he moved, you know, and to hear all the things that I was into, you know, punk rock, rock, rockabilly, funk, you know, like I was into all different kinds of music and just to see him and all these other beautiful, you know, young black musicians and, um, and just this, this little peek into this whole new world of creatives for me, it was like, wow, he's a unicorn. 
You know, like I wished I had a guy like him in junior high. You know what I mean? Like my life would be completely different now. You know what I mean? Like for me, it was just like, wow, this is just, and then like, it was Prince like from there on, you know, of course I, I still appreciated other forms of music, but, um, for me just to, uh, to see these young, talented people do their thing and not worry about, um, being stereotyped and, um, held within the lines, it just, it blew my mind. And yeah, after, you know, seeing him on MTV, cause I grew up again in Allentown and we were some of the first to get cable at the time in the country. And so, uh, you know, Crystal came to me one night. She was like, listen, there's going to be this channel that's just going to show nothing but music videos 24-7. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? So we were just, we were glued to the TV. And so to see him, like David said, to see, you know, to see him, wait, he blinks? Wait a minute. He, knows, <laughs> lips, like, he really does lick his lips? Wait a minute. He walks like, you know, all these things like... It was just absolutely uh, mind blowing. I don't even know what I just said for the past three minutes, so I'm sorry. But <laughs> no, that's right. my answer. <clears throat> you know, it's uh, it, listening to to what we just described and what you guys are saying. <clears throat> you know, one of the things, a couple of things you you can hear everyone. You know, the MTV, the, the music video, sort of seeing something that you never seen before and you never got to really see it all the way. So every little thing would seem like a revelation. Like you said, oh, he actually talks. Like <laughs> the fact that because you didn't get to see everything about him and it, everything was sort of, I don't know if it was curated on purpose or it was just that the access to information was very limited and it was a very small window to watch things. And, and also remember too, you could only people who had a little bit of money had a, v, v, a VCR, so you could re, <laughs> rewatch something. So a lot of it was just off of memory, or if you <laughs> caught it again on TV somehow. And I saw that to say it's interesting now in today's world where there is so much to see, you see every aspect of it all, and it's all recorded, and you can all watch it when you want to. Yep, anytime you want to culture. yeah yeah it's so it's nothing is left to memory and nothing sort of becomes a, a myth in your mind almost because you can immediately get anything you want about it it's interesting to see how prince will be discovered for people of today and there are people that are discovering prince today right it's it, it's interesting like i said that they're gonna have a very different way of learning about prince and things like what you guys did is helping, you know, to sort of bring it to this different generation that has got a lot more access to stuff. So now not only will somebody be able to watch the movie, but there will be people that may, it's going to be, it sound crazy to some people, that may hear your thing first in a sense and be like, oh, this, I've heard of this in mm -hmm. pop culture, right? I've heard, you know, I've heard of things when I was a kid that I didn't know about, but I heard of the Beatles songs or certain, I understood that they existed, but I didn't go deep. But I, I could see somebody hearing this and be like, you know what? I want to go see that. I want to watch that movie. This sounds very interesting. You know what I mean? And it's just cool that fans and people are creating things like this that are helping to sort of foster <coughs> his legacy moving forward. Um, 
I never yeah, would have thought was, we would have been in that position. Go ahead. Yeah, that was uh, in our minds as well, you know, and there are certainly people that, that, you know, and I think we've all gotten feedback like this leading up to the performance and after the performance where people were like, oh, I got to make sure I watch the movie again before the performance or mm. said afterwards, like, oh, I got to watch the movie again now. Or I, I listened to that. My friend's like, oh, I listened to the album after the performance on Spotify. Mm. And then I just listened to the playlist to created based off of Purple Rain and stuff. And um, <laughs> and actually another thing, um, when I, which I thought of when you were talking about Addie's narration and the whole thing about being able to close your eyes and stuff, <clears throat> I've gotten, like we got feedback from, some visually impaired people that listen to the performance mm. <clears throat> and one of them i'm actually in another group in on clubhouse so we, we play name that tune every week and in the name that tune room like that happened after the performance like and, and actually in the after party uh, on the same night as the performance and then in the room later on in the week you know she was talking about how much she appreciated the performance because she quote unquote saw the movie when she was younger but of course she's visually impaired so she didn't see it but then the way we did it you know where yeah where, where everything was said like she didn't have to hear it and put it together and how that was just such a deep thing for her but uh, the interesting thing is sighted people i had another friend who saw the movie is my age right so she was 16 when it came out and has seen the movie but you know i think sometimes between at natty's Addie's great narration great great now and that's like some of the top feedback we get is about lewis's sound and Addie's narration and voice and so when you have her telling you like you may not get it from the acting you may not get the whole emotional payoff or the angst or the tension or whatever but when you listen to our production like Addie's telling you you know like this is why the kid's jacked up his home life is jacked up his band is falling apart he's about to lose his like you know and mm -hmm. so she said like she was sitting up there with the kleenex by the second <laughs> by the last third of the movie you know, um, so I, I find that to be also powerful. So but my original point in bringing all that up is, yes, we hope it helps keep the legacy alive. Like to me, like if anybody from Paisley Park or the estate listens to it, it is a plus because, you know, Prince is no longer here with us and you need to keep revitalizing and kindling new interest in all, all of his great you know, creative works, you know, and this we hope is just a new way for people to discover it and get curious about it and take that step into the rabbit hole. All right. All right. Well, man, you guys, you guys did it, man. Uh, congratulations. Uh, it is definitely, I think it's excellent. Um, Thank you. And, and I'm not, and I'm a guy that's like hardcore, Oh, they ain't gonna. This better be. See, now that's the other thing with the Prince fans. See, see, I'm glad you said that. That's the other thing with the Prince fans. Right, why you right. gotta come correct. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they did it, but you know. <laughs> I mean, I've been running Clubhouse Quick for a year, so I know. Okay. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so you had to come correct. Absolutely. You know? Uh, and I just gotta say one go more thing about Lewis, right? Sure. When we're doing it, first of all, you know, the idea was hanging around from when Ruth said, let's do it in the summer. And then it had been hanging there and we didn't move forward. We did move forward. It was getting around to the fall. 
And Addie's the one that put the battery in my bed. She's like, we can do this. We can do this. I was like, yeah, we can do this. No, 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 we can do this. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, okay, I guess we could do it, you know. And so we went to move ahead and we had a, a there was another sound person who was on board, right? Um, that um that had worked on previous clubhouse productions. And like we said before, like if we're not going to do the music, which leads us into the sound effects and have it done the way it's supposed to be done, then why do it? So we really only moved it forward after Addy put the battery in my back and we did find the sound person. And okay. at some point, like right before Thanksgiving, he had to bow out we'd already started rehearsing the cast. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, so like, while we're expecting, like, well, a certain sound is being designed and so forth, we're going to rehearse the cast while the music is getting put together. But then we kept rehearsing the cast and the music dropped out. So there was, like, a two-week period where we did not tell the cast, like, hey, we don't have a sound guy. Oh and we're still rehearsing the cast. Like, we're still going to do this. This is the part we're operating without a net at all, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so we're rehearsing them. And to your point, and we're rehearsing them hard, too. Like, no, we got to do that again. We got to do that again. We still don't have a sound guy. No. And so one of the guys who's a member of Club Housequake that Lewis referred to, Michael, he actually grew up in Minneapolis. He actually, when he was a young dude, worked at First Avenue. And he had met Lewis in another music room on Clubhouse and had been talking to him about doing some stuff, whatever, some, you know, creating some content music around music on Clubhouse. And so one day I'm on the phone with Michael. I'm like, oh, dude, I don't know, dude, the sound guy dropped out. We got these folks rehearsing like, you know, we're about to do this and we don't have a sound guy. And he was like, you know, I think Lewis can help you. He's got the skills and the equipment you need. And he just he just said, you know, he put Lewis in the mix. And Lewis was like, uh, right, you were out camping that weekend or something when we were having <laughs> yeah, this conversation. So yeah, he's like, well, I'll put you on the right, right. So we'll put you on the horn with Lewis uh, when he gets back. And we got on a three-way call, and this is the first time I'm ever talking to Lewis. And so Michael's basically like, well, tell him what you need. So I was like, well, we're doing Purple Rain, and we're going to need this, we're going to need that, we're going to need the other, right? And dude, this is like within the first seven minutes of the call, while I'm telling him what we need, all of a sudden through the phone, you start hearing click, clack, click, clack, click, clack, like dude is just working on the keyboard. Click, clack, click, clack, click, clack, click, clack, click, clack. And all of a sudden, I hear, let's go, like he is audio, he audio designed what you actually heard in the opening of the movie, the let's go crazy number. Like while we were on the phone, the first seven minutes that I ever talked to him, like, boom, he did it. I was like, and can you get the horns that come in, the trumpet sounds? Like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I was like, you can? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh! Like, I was like, oh, we can do this. So, like, he totally came in, like, right after halftime and, like, worked those first couple of weeks to just basically catch up. And start designing all these scenes, start designing the Lake Minnetonka scene, start designing like, and boom, 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 boom. And then there was like a period of time where we knew he was fast at work, but we hadn't yet put the music and the sound effects with the actors, but he's still working at this point now. So we hear it, 
you know, me and Addie here because we we had those marathon sessions on the phone with Lewis as well. Like mm-hmm. Lewis spent mad hours on the oh phone. Like I mean, I like nineteen yes. hours at yes. a time. Like no joke. Twenty four yes. hours yes. we were on this. Yeah. So yeah, we all this to say, yo, go ahead, Lewis. Yo, go ahead, Lewis. No, no, you good. You good. <laughs> no, all this to say, so Lewis comes in after halftime, catches up, and then all of a sudden now we're at a certain level where we're doing such tweaks on such a detail level that that he can deliver that's really bringing the thing to life. And so, like, to me, the best compliment that the production gets is what you said, Michael, when people thought, like, the thing was pre-recorded, because the fact of the matter is, like, it is, like, a group of 30 people in 14 different cities around the country, a, co- a person out in the UK mm. that's all never been in a room together that did this together mm. from start to finish. And mm. Lewis and Addie, Lewis with the sound, Addie with the voice, totally the glue, you know? And so mm. that's what I find so magical about it. And, you know, that we pulled it off. Like I always take tremendous pride in what, you know, these guys were able to do. Tremendous pride. Wow. wow. Well, me, what, what helped me... I'm sorry to interrupt, but what helped me really was when David stepped to me, they knew what they wanted, you know? So mm. it kind of gave me a vision of what to do. And, you know, and then once I heard a few rehearsals, timed it, and then I, you know, I knew what I had to do. And just, you know, we worked together late nights, three, four o'clock in the morning. And when this production was done, I'm gonna be honest, it was like, I was hoping for a phone call that day. Cause we were all done. We were staying up till two, three o'clock <laughs> editing, and then we did the production, and it was like no phone call that night. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> 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 we went, we went. Yeah, we did. Listen, so I think we're friends for life. Word, you know, we shared that foxhole. Here, here's the other part. Now we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Everything you just described that you put into this. <clears throat> Look at what we can do when we come together. Mm-hmm. Look at the type of complexity, organization, determination of vision. Look at what we can do when we decide to come together and link up. You just said with 30 people nationwide and worldwide working with you know, technology as it is, making it happen, taking something that's beloved to us and presenting it with respect to the world to show that we love this thing and it's important. And matter of fact, we're going to come together, not getting paid, but we're going to do it at the top level and it's an accomplishment. So if nothing else, certain people, when you hear this, yes, Prince, excellent, all that, but listen, look at how our people can come together and everybody was ready. Lewis already had years in the game. He, he, He was ready. He ready for situations like this. Addy, David, and other people, they understood what it takes. They've been putting in work. They Eagles got put to side. Vision, place, execution, magic comes out of it. So I'm just saying, like, man, look at what we can do when we link up. Imagine if we take this same type of determination and work ethic to do this. Imagine if we took that and was like, you know what? Let's apply that to mm-hmm. some other shit we got going on mm-hmm. <laughs> in our people. So we can do all kind of stuff, man. 
you know, that's all I'm just trying to say. We can do, we can Absolutely. do incredible stuff, man. Absolutely. So to all you guys. For sure. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, Appreciate man. it. Um, we're going to put the link in the show notes, but David, where can people go to find this excellent production and they can hear it and share it? Uh, you've joined the Clubhouse app and all you got to do is search Clubhouse Quake. Um, and please join the club. You don't have to join the club to listen to it, but why wouldn't you want to join? So join the club. And when you're on the Clubhouse Quake profile page on Clubhouse, all you got to do is scroll down and the replays for the club are right there. And so you'll see it. Purple Rain presented by Clubhouse Quake. You just click on it and press play and you can hear exactly what we've been talking about just now. So um, please right. do check it out. If you're a casual Prince fan, a Prince nut, or you're a Purple Rain fan, or you're curious about the movie, um, it really was. I'm not just saying it because we were doing it. Like, it's funny. After the thing was done, at some point, like, after we just detoxed and whatever, like, I remember Addie's like, you know, I just listened to it. It was really good. I was like, I know, right? I was like, for real, right? Yeah. So it, it really, it really did, it, it really did come off. So please check it out. Please enjoy it. Um, we think you'll be highly entertained. All right. And David, where can they find you online? Uh, you can find me on um, Clubhouse Quake. Um, you know, David Belgrave on, on Clubhouse. On Clubhouse, I mean, on the Clubhouse app. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Computer Blue. Um, All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Addie, where can they find you online? Oh, gosh. I would say, well, you know, I haven't, I literally haven't been active on social media in almost like a year. Um, so I'm just getting back into it. But uh, I would say Instagram, A D D Y E, Joy Fantastic. That's Addie Joy Fantastic on Instagram. All right. Mr. Lewis, where can they find you, sir? Let me just say something real quick before um, I get into the link. I don't have many links, but. Um if you really want to listen to the full experience and the good quality, cause I'm gonna be honest, I hate the clubhouse um, <laughs> replay and uh, I don't know. It, you go to SoundCloud and search for clubhouse quake on SoundCloud and you'll get the full mix and it's, nice. you'll be blown away by the quality. Um, my link really, I mean, link me on clubhouse. Uh, it's S T I L Z I N K still Inc. You can find me there. And then, um, that's it. And I just want to thank David and Addie for really putting this wonderful project together. It was great. All oh, right. thank you, Lewis. We, we are so grateful. And trust me, if you didn't cross our paths, the shit wouldn't have happened. So thank you, too. And Michael, before you wrap up, um, you know, you got to come through and participate in some rooms. I thought of something earlier when you were talking about Michael Jackson, because earlier on in the year, we, we didn't call it Prince versus Michael. We didn't want to be an adversary, but we had a Prince and Michael an MJ discussion room, okay, which was very spirited to say the I least. I can imagine. I can imagine. And we always said we were going to do a part two, which we're in the the works doing right now. And we think we're going to change up the format. Um, we're going to have a couple of DJs that typically do the Prince Michael Soul Slam parties, kind of do mini sets and pepper mm -hmm. it with the discussion debate. 
or straight up argument. But um, and the thing that we got to do more, I got to get more Michael people in the room, too. So, you know, whether it's that room or, you know, we've got a couple other different rooms in the works and are always coming up with new ideas. You know, you're welcome to come through and kick it with us, whether we're talking about a perform, whatever it is, you know, come on through. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please go check these guys out. Uh, it's it's incredible. Definitely. You're going to love it. Um, shout out to all of our Patreon listeners. Thank you for the support. Uh, we're going to keep this thing growing. And shout out to all of our YouTube family as well. You already know what I'm going to say at the end of this thing. Work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.